Um, the only, yeah. there was a defining moment in my mm -hmm. career where it was like a year in, yeah, like a year, two years in where like, it was starting to look like my parents were starting to catch on. Like there was conversations with their friend groups when they saw my video and stuff like that. And I had to just make the decision that like, look, I'm gonna speak my truth. And also not everything I say is real. So mm -hmm. I'm just gonna come to terms with like, I am an artist, I'm a comedian. Some of what I say is for shock value. Some of it's true. You, and that's for you to, that's for you to interpret, but I'm gonna not censor myself because I think it's my responsibility to be a part of the larger conversation. Episode 225 <laughs> of A to the Show. I mean, this 225 days now, meeting people from all over the world, world, and this is our first guest from Colorado. Yay, amazing. What a Yay. pleasure to introduce <laughs> Rimi Dan. Good to see you. Thank you. Thanks for having <laughs> yes, me. So I'm your first guest from Colorado? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's great. Good. Yeah. Are there a lot of comedians in Colorado? You know, I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I... I I was born and raised here, but I live in LA. Mm -hmm. So um, most of my shows, I've only done one show, I think, in Colorado, like one professional show in Colorado. The rest of them have been in LA or yeah. internationally or around the US. So yeah, I'm sure there's comedy here. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> there's there comedy. Is, there is. Yeah, there's comedy everywhere. It's true. Um, all right. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit more about uh, Reem. Uh, what's, your, what's your backstory? Uh, as far as comedy, or yeah, yeah. I can tell you how I got fat. Okay, good. <laughs> like the backstory yeah. was, <laughs> the I backstory. used to love eating butter. Mm. <laughs> I mean, we could go to that backstory. On everything? I'll tell you why I'm a funny person. Mm. No, dude. So this is the thing. I was, yeah. um, I was a fat kid mm -hmm. because I was born in America, and um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's kind of how that works. Yeah, I that's joke how that, it like, works. You know, being first generation, it just means you're the first in your family to be fat. That was that was it. Like <laughs> first generation pioneer. <laughs> yeah that's good I remember yeah so like as a butter. kid <laughs> I discovered butter oh my so was it I can't believe it's not butter no it was country crock I so I was I was like the fattest I was the fat kid of my family I was the middle child I had a bowl haircut so like this is where the comedy started like if we're really <laughs> talking backstory I can be like right. well one day I went to an open mic that's cool right but if we're really talking backstory <laughs> mm -hmm. um I grew up as like yeah like the middle child like kind of weird um really like studious like I, I always wanted to do good in school because mm. I honestly just always wanted to be rich that was it so, so I was like all right so if I go and get A's one day I'll be rich which like I'm waiting for that one day but it's gonna happen um and yeah and so like I I kept I was an overeater I discovered butter I used to like stand stand in the fridge and I would just like open the fridge door so people couldn't see what I was doing and I would just like open the tub of butter and just like dig my fingers in and like oh, eat wow. it mm. strategically <laughs> like I told you I was smart I knew that if I used a spoon they would find it in the sink so um the so that's kind of where finger. this all started <laughs> right exactly I was like butter nobody's fingers. gonna know they, they won't see yeah they won't see these Pretty nail much. marks um mm -hmm. but they're gonna see those stretch marks no. <laughs> I'm not to write that down. That was good. Um, <laughs> yes. You're gonna have to send me a list of everything I say that's funny. Um, okay, this so, is recorded. You just see, yeah, I watch it again. And yeah, but like, like, do yeah. you really think I rewatch? I can't. Oh, that is true. Myself. Yeah, rewatching yourself. Do you not? Do you not watch your rewatch yourself when you do comedy like performances? Or I mean, shows, it's, I guess? it's a yes and no kind of thing. I mean, in the beginning, I did. It just really depends. Uh, recently, I did start rewatching myself because I'm, I've been trying to put more clips online. Um, and I, I watched a few uh, videos I had and 
it's just, it's a little painful, not in the sense of like, I don't like to hear my own voice because listen, I rewatch my stories all the time. I'm like, <laughs> I'm so funny. This is so good. Like, yeah. Um, but the big, yes, I do on and off in the beginning. I used to more in the beginning. I would, I would voice record every set, no matter what, but then I just, I would rarely listen back to them, um, which I know is a good habit to keep. So if you're starting out, you should just so you can hear little faults that you have, like when you say like too much or you um, you pause too much before the punchline or different variations of a joke um, that can really make it, you know, go flat or be really funny. Um, but recently I was rewatching myself and I realized how when I'm not prepared, I can still be funny. I'm still like funny in the moment just for my personality, but it's a lot less clean than I'd like it to be. So after watching my recent sets, I was like, fine. I'll actually write out my jokes, um, but there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So to wrap up my <laughs> fat kid story, fat kid. <laughs> yes. yeah. To wrap that up, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, I feel like my sense of comedy, me being mm -hmm. a comedian, started way before I went to an open mic. It was me, you know, whether out of like offense or defense, as this like you know little kid trying to trying to look past the fact that I was like a little different. You know, I was the only like brown person in the entire city was what it felt like. So I knew I was different. I looked different. My parents were different. Everything was weird. And so my way of connecting with people was through comedy. Um, and that kind of continued throughout my life until I eventually started comedy. I think that was four years ago. Um, and learned to harness everything I'd been doing in real life onto the stage. All right. So you, you mostly talk about your experiences uh, in comedy, right? How do you get ideas for mm -hmm. the jokes you have? Ooh, yeah, it's changed a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, even my subject matter has changed a lot. When I first started out, you're really supposed to talk about what you know, right? Because mm -hmm. it's your perspective, it's your story, and you talk about what makes you different. So when I first started out, I really did talk more about being Arab and Muslim and um, my Iraqi parents and all like the, the, the funny things that happen when you're living kind of in between two cultures, which I still touch on a lot now. Um, but now I'm being much more current in my subject matter. Like I talked about I had like 15 minutes on the election and I have a lot of it on COVID and different things like that. So the way I used to get ideas was really looking at my life. And I, I drew this like chart. Um, it was kind of like a bubble chart and I put my name in the middle and I, I drew lines out to everything that represented me, whether it's with school or with my body weight or with my parents, with my religion, all these things. And so then I had like topics, subject matters to really start to add details to. And then I could find the funny. So that's how I began. It evolved to whatever it evolved to. Nowadays, my new way of finding jokes is tweeting, which is interesting <laughs> enough. I don't. Yes. I don't even have a big following on Twitter. But this is the thing. Go I follow, follow her Twitter. She does a lot so of great bits. Yeah, Thank check you. it out. Um, <laughs> well, they, I I really only started working on it during COVID because it was like the last outlet I needed. And then I, when I was sitting at home. I would like wanna, I'd think of something funny, like a joke. And then I would tweet it. And the reason I say tweet it is because when you put it so publicly, you have to refine the joke, right? right. Like you have to sit there and stare at that one sentence and make sure that the premise is baked in, uh, make sure that it's punchy enough, make sure that it's relevant, make sure that people get at me, all these things. And so it really helped me mine like life for the funny and do it in a way that was like punchy enough that I could later convert that to stand up. That's that's my new uh, it's, methodology. Right, it's not easy making a one line tweet and right and posting it and it being funny and people no. 
enjoying it, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm so annoying too, because I'll delete my, if I tweet something and I'm like, I don't like the wording, I'll go back and then I'll tweet it again and I'll, I'll fix it over and over until I'm happy with it. Like, which I'm sure is annoying for people. <laughs> I'm sure it's, I went right, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Do you, yeah. it'd be cool to use those tweets. I want to see like a compilation of tweets, like a set where it's just like, like one-liners. Oh, I, I can tell you. Oh yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Go for it. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off your thought. Did you want to finish that? No, I was just thinking it's really cool. I think it's really like, it's like, it's hard enough to do one-liners in comedy, right? A lot of, yeah. Because yeah. it's not easy. <laughs> and now you have to do it no, a lot constantly consistently to get attention on twitter mm -hmm. or something it's it's a skill yeah and people like yeah for sure good at it and i i was telling my friend um this other day who's a comedian also i you know like there's different formats and styles of comedy there's like the storytelling there's the setup punchline setup punchline i think that if you perfect enough punchlines what i do is like i i you know put out my punchlines i see which ones get traction some some of them don't and I'm like, no, I know this is funny. I'm going to make it work. And I make it work some other way. But the ones that do, I'm like, ah, okay. This is like going to an open mic. This means that people understood and related enough to this joke to for it to be able to work verbally. So I'll get those. And let's say it's about like gaining weight during COVID, which I did earlier in the, <laughs> at the quarantine 15 was very real. The quarantine real. 15 um, is real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, horrible. Um, so what I did is I, over the course of two months, I looked back. I put all my tweets in a, in a Google doc. And then I was like, all right, I started categorizing. So I was like, okay, these are all the weight loss jokes. These are all the life has changed jokes. And then once I started to categorize them, I was able to like build a story with just a bunch of, of punchlines and then some premise in the middle, some act outs in the middle. So for example, like with the quarantine 15, I used to be like, um, you know, guys like the quarantine 15 is so real. Um, it's probably cause my diet went from uh, meal prep to an all you can eat buffet. Um, <laughs> And I was like, but listen, in my defense, this is America. We don't eat because we're hungry. We eat because we can. Um, so those are two separate jokes. And right. then I continue on. I'm like, oh, it's like, it's, it's fine, whatever. At least we now live in a world where sweatpants are just called pants, um, <laughs> <laughs> which would be great if I could still fit into mine because I went from a size medium to a QL, which is quarantine large, which means I don't know what my size is if it's not stretchy. Those are four separate jokes, four separate punchlines that were completely separate from each other, like different times, different different moods, whatever. And I found a way to like bunch them together. And then it sounds like it's like one joke, but it's not, it's, it's different jokes. That's really good. And it's a lot yeah. of jokes per joke. It's a little, it's one great jokes joke. Jokes per joke. Yeah, exactly. What's your joke per joke ratio? <laughs> <laughs> is that, is that a thing? I don't know, comedians, like, That's no, they don't thing. measure it. It could be. It could be, right? <laughs> Make it a thing. Make it a thing. I wonder, right, if people, I mean, I bet like on shows like, like the Simpsons or Family Guy and stuff like that, they have it so refined where they need to have so many jokes per minute. You ever watch yeah. something where it's like, it's you, there's a lot of jokes per minute, but maybe mm -hmm. it's not like overall very funny? Or what? I mean, look, if, if you look at a multicam, which a multicam for anyone who doesn't know is is like a TV show that's shot in front of a live audience where like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or right. Two and a Half Men, stuff like that, where they have the laugh <laughs> track. So they have a very specific formula because like to be in front of a live audience it cannot be flat I, th I think it's like three page three jokes per page i believe it might be more or less but i think that's the formula for a multicam so wow. um yeah so i mean like there's certain multicams that i just don't think are funny but they have like <laughs> when i say a good joke i mean a well-crafted joke right? right so it's like sometimes it's like a pun or sometimes it's like you know a play on words or a play on the character but if you start to listen to it with uh with an eye for it like you can see the joke structure it's like 
like so yeah i don't necessarily think a lot of multicams are funny but some are if done correctly and the jokes at least can be um appreciated right there is that difference though between like you watch a show and it's like there are a lot of jokes in it and you might laugh at some of them but it's not really maybe you know the funniest show all put together big bang theory exactly when when you're watching like something like how i met your mother or i don't know whatever you like and it's like it's funny but then it's also really interesting and you care about it right Mm -hmm. what do you think's like why why do people (laughs) i think it's all about the character it's all about relating to it because like you know there's a was it last man standing the tim allen one like i watched that recently just because i watch a lot of one-off episodes just for research because i'm also um a writer and so oftentimes like they'll be like all right watch this because it's kind of like your script or watch this to understand how they did this well and stuff so i can appreciate a show like last man standing it's funny would i care to watch it normally no but that's because i don't have a relationship with the characters and the reason for that being is the relatability okay in my perspective you could you could watch something this is a different genre but like Mm -hmm. breaking bad you could relate to the character right which is like this guy is like pushing the boundaries like to, to help his family he's like taking risks he's this he's that he's that and you can relate to certain strings that the character pulls right whether it's in your life or um somebody that you know in your life or or whatever but oftentimes when it's these like character archetypes that you just don't have a connection to you don't see that in your life like i you know in, in that show tim allen has like two or three daughters i think three daughters but like I can relate to one little character in them because she's sassy and sarcastic and way too smart for her age. That character I relate to, but overall, the show is about like this like pretty like staunch Republican guy like, like <laughs> living in Colorado. Interestingly enough, but <laughs> yeah. I, I mean I relate to the Colorado thing, but not enough for me to be compelled to to go back and watch the show. Right, right. There you go. It's also now that there's so much content out there, you're like, ah, this is kind of boring. <sighs> I'll watch a different show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It gives me anxiety. There's too much content. There really is too much content out there. There is too much content. Uh, do you ever like binge watch any of the like the comedy shows or anything? I remember when I watched The Office, just watch like, Oh my God. Like <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. I I binge Max. The Office. I had seen The Office when I was in high school, I think, but I never completely binged it. And then I think two years ago was the first time I like fully, 2019, I fully binged it for the first time and I could not stop. Um, yeah, I've binged Schitt's Creek, although I'm not finished with it. I last That's night so funny. I binged <laughs> I love Schitt's Creek. Yeah. I, I binged um The Night Stalker on Netflix. It just came out. It's like murder documentary. Right. documentary. It's really good. That's it's good. so good. All right. Yeah. Check it out. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean I, I binge here and there, but at the same mm-hmm. time I have a I have an issue which I'm trying to work on, which is I am so focused on creating that it's hard for me to consume mm-hmm. um because I feel like a I should be spending my time creating like I feel bad about sitting there watching tv which I know is not good because you need to be aware of what's going on and the trends and and all that so um me binging a show is few Mm. and far between me watching certain episodes for certain reasons is more likely if I can assign a like homework value to watching tv it's much easier for me to watch it Um, (laughs) you kind of that's kind of like the opposite of most people most people are like yeah Yeah. i just watch i want to watch all of the office (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) which is why most people get mad at me when they just come over and hang out i was like i don't hang out i have things to do (laughs) i have things to do (laughs) that's amazing all right so um you like creating more than you like consuming for something like jokes i imagine it's hard when you're watching a lot of comedy to become original to think of like your own kind of jokes and come up with your own thing 
Um, do you notice that? Like when do you ever like think of a joke because you've seen it somewhere or like how do you stay original in a world where everyone's com- where there are so many comedians, I guess. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, here's the thing. Nobody can be you. Yeah. That's it. Like there, no, nobody has your perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people have your perspective as a or part of your perspective as a man um or gender assigned at birth I don't know what um as a part of your ex um nobody has your perspective as somebody who was born in the U.S. and like you know is from Lebanon and and you start compiling all the things so look everybody's going to talk about just because we've been discussing a weight loss right or everybody's going to talk about love life or everybody's going to talk about like partying these these subjects are the same across the board but you have a very specific and unique take on it, right? And especially given your like, even your micro interests, you know, like, I don't know, gaming or this or that or this or that. And then we could both be talking about the exact same thing. Even being Arab American, we could both talk about the exact same thing. And sure, we'd have like this umbrella of relatability, but I'm sure like the type of shoe your mom threw at you was different than the type of shoe mine threw at me. So like, that's what what makes it different. So so I think as as nuanced as you can be, the better. I was actually having a conversation about this about a project of mine, a TV project. And um, the producer was mentioning that like, you need to be more nuanced, right? And more nuanced means like going into the small, small details, mm-hmm. like what makes it so specific. And for so much of my life, and especially in the beginning of my standup career, I thought that going broad was better because I thought, all right, well, you know, most people aren't going to understand what my experience is like as an Arab American, right? Like I can't right. use these specific words, you know, or I can't use this specific terminology or this phrasing or this idea. They're not going to get this part of like praying five times. They're not going to get it. So I'll make it more broad so that they can understand it. Right. Mm -hmm. That I think has its benefits, but I think it's more detrimental in the long run because you need to be more specific. And while like the, the funny parts, the punchlines, the characters, what is, is so unique to you and nuanced um, the idea of like this mom and daughter relationship fighting, however, pans out is so unique i'm sorry it's so relatable to everybody so right. you have to be more specific. specific you have to put your point of view all the way in yeah otherwise it's like a joke is a, if you want to just write a funny joke work for late mm-hmm. night that's fine like write a joke that doesn't necessarily have your your mm-hmm. identity right. wrapped in it just yeah then Sounds it's good. two separate things i mm-hmm. mean that was that's really cool how you say it like i'm like maybe on the short run if you want to make jokes that are relatable i guess people will relate to it but if you want to like define yourself as a comedian like so many great mm-hmm. comedians have, you have to be more specific to yourself. You were... well, yeah, and I think my point also is that mm-hmm. even though you think you're being too specific, mm-hmm. in and of itself, it's relatable. There's something that's relatable within it. So don't um, don't shy away. Sounds good. All right, but what you were saying earlier when I asked you uh, what kind of comedy do you make, you said when I younger, I used to do a bunch of comedy that's more relatable, more broad about weight loss, about being Arab American, etc. Mm-hmm. And now I do things that are more general about the elections, for example. Sure. Um, so how are you becoming more specific to yourself, but then also broaching more general topics? That's a great, really good question. Yeah. So, um, for when the COVID happened, right? So before this, I was talking about um, my like my family and my beliefs and all these things, which I still talk about. But I shifted the conversation because suddenly the collective conversation internationally was about COVID-19. So that was my relatability touch point with people, right? It's like, okay, now we all have this shared experience. And here's specifically how my experience is now that I moved back home with my parents. Like now that I um, gained 
the quarantine 15. That's very relatable. But yeah. that my specific experience is mm-hmm. like why I'm like, oh, I can't work out like with a mask. I can smell my dinner and like ice cream and cardio just don't go well together. Um, and so it's like things like that where, <laughs> yeah, that's again, it's, 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 so now I've just broadened the category, right? Instead of like how it was with um, heritage and religion and stuff, I broadened it. Also, because it felt a little fucking whiny to be like, I'm Muslim. And I'm like, dude, everybody's dealing with a lot of other shit right now. Like, this is what you're talking about. Like, you have to join the collective conversation. So I can talk about I'm Muslim and it's hard wearing a mask. But also, we've been wearing niqabs for the last hundred years. What are you guys doing? Like, <laughs> like, that's, that's what that's I mean, good. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so. I see. That's a, that's, a great, that's a great answer to it, too. It's because, yeah, you want to... I guess be more of yourself, but then also talk about things that everyone. Sure, yeah, comment on the human experience. Yeah, yeah. that's um, especially because, like, it, and nowadays too, what I had to adjust to is because most comedy shows, with the exception of some Zoom shows and some shows that I, you know, performed in the Midwest where they don't care about COVID, um, are canceled. So you have to translate to a different medium, and so. Um, right now you have to be really aware of the virality of your tweets and your jokes and stuff like that. So you want to post things that can get shared, can go viral, can blah, blah, blah. And so a lot of my election jokes, again, shared experience, right? And also I'm like sitting here, like freaking out. So a lot of things were happening. I was like posting them and, and whatever hope, and a lot of them went viral. And because of that, I was able to pull more people to my fan page and broaden my audience. So that when the time comes for more stand up and it's time to teach them about Islam, then that's when they're already here and they're ready to learn. Right, exactly. That's cool. I mean, I mean, you took the opportunity that was there. Um, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, I guess everyone's going through something, right? You were like, let's sure. comment on the common experience. I just want to know how, isn't it difficult to talk about your own <laughs> weight loss, your own insecurities, you know, as you said, <sighs> Arab American, um, yeah. you said, right. It was, you felt lonely <laughs> when you were a kid or you, you were the only one that was like that. Yeah, well, I felt, I don't know if it was as much lonely as it was like defense offense. Like, okay, I'm this kid. Also, I didn't used to look like this when I was a kid. I was like, like, like looks were not in my favor. So I had to be funny. Like this was, I was like, all right, this is the only way people are going to talk to me. Um, so I lost my train of thought. Um, we were talking about, what, is it hard to talk? No, because comedy is my way of dealing with it. Right. joking about it is my way of like processing the trauma comedy is my way of like even processing and and dealing with people being assholes to me i will be if you are rude to me or something or like a friend who says something that i don't like i'm not very um confrontational but i will through sarcasm say something so that you know it's like it's it's layered in this like candy coating of ha 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 but also there's truth to my comedy mm-hmm. so you'll you i'll be able to get my message across in a less aggressive way so no, I, I think it's, for me, it's helped to poke fun at the weight gain, the weight loss, the, the, the identity crisis that I constantly have, the, all these things. Like once I like made the decision to be open about it, um, I just was, and I'm naturally very, very open about things. Like I overshare in fact, but um, the only, yeah. there was a defining moment in my mm-hmm. career where it was like a year in, yeah, like a year or two years in where like it was starting to look like my parents were starting to catch on. Like there was conversations with their friend groups when they found my video and stuff like that. And I had to just make the decision that like, look, I'm going to speak my truth. And also not everything I say is real. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to come to terms with like, I am an artist. 
I'm a comedian. Some of what I say is for shock value. Some of it's true. You, and that's for you to, that's for you to interpret, but I'm going to not censor myself because I think it's my responsibility to be a part of the larger conversation, especially for like Arab and um, Muslims where it's like, you know, women aren't often outspoken. Right. And, um, and I, I think it's my responsibility to like help change that. So, mm-hmm. so I, I just talk about whatever I can mind you, I do, I do pay attention to who my audience is. So like right. sometimes I'll do charity events for like era families or there's kids in the audience. I pay attention to my audience and I make sure that it's appropriate, but um, yeah, I've kind of just like let, let it all go and just go on, on the path. I'm, I'm curious yeah. just with the over oversharing thing is this, I know it's part of being yeah. a comedian is sharing your own personal life. Um, yeah. Is it, I just want, I'm curious when with the people around you, you're sharing their stories and such, how do you do it in a way that's not interfering on their personal? Sure. Also? I mean, yeah. here's the thing. I, I've thought about it a lot Mm -hmm. and I was like, yeah, I would hate it if a comedian made fun of me. Like I would hate (laughs) it. Like hypothetically, if I was like dating a comedian, truly, if I was a non-comedian or either, or if I was dating a comedian and they just kind of broadcast the world, everything (laughs) that happened, I would feel so hurt, you know, Mm -hmm. which is so funny because I, when I'm sharing the information, I'm all about it. But if you share the information about me and like, I think it's this like Arab, like, oh, your reputation thing. Um, <laughs> my reputation, gas. Where I would, my reputation. <laughs> where I'd feel hurt about it. Mm-hmm. So I try to keep in mind, like, sometimes I'll put videos of my dad doing like funny, silly things, but I always keep in mind, like, if I would be okay with this being posted about me, always. I wouldn't post something that like really embarrasses someone. And if it was something like a friend falling or something, I would, I, I ask permission. That's, that's kind of my way of going yeah. into it. Now, mm-hmm. If you're an ex-boyfriend of mine, <laughs> I don't care. Um, but I'm still, I'm still All right. <laughs> someone gets made fun of. Um, Watch out when you date comedians. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, that's what I always think about that. I was like, oh my God, I couldn't handle it. Someone did this back to me. Um, but I just, I do it in a way that like, if I was confronted by that person, would I be willing to stand up for my joke? Would I, is it funny enough? Is it funny enough and not hurtful? Right. That I would be able to stand behind my joke. If not, then like, I don't want to say that joke. And it, this includes like politics. Like I love making fun of Trump, but I, listen, I, ha- I have conservative friends. I have Republican friends. And every time I post a joke about that side, I really think about it. I really am like, is this going to piss off my conservative friends? Because they're not bad people. They're great people. They're not racist people. They're, they're people. And I've tried to keep, even though I'm very liberal in my point of view, I try to keep in mind like, is this going to hurt someone? And am I able to justify the joke with truth or my point of view? That's kind of my litmus test. Amazing. Wow. That's uh, that's a really cool way to go about it. If you all just did comedy about things that aren't <laughs> hurtful and then had some kind <laughs> of truth to it. But I guess sometimes, yeah. you know, you like some jokes are hurtful, right? It's just because that, that, isn't yeah. that what j- jokes are is just being offending or breaking the rules or just what how do you make something that's funny? I, I don't think it's yeah I mean I don't think it's I don't think jokes are all offending you know mm-hmm. like I don't know who I would offend with my weight loss jokes um I mean but so, you can you can I don't know someone if someone you mean that. critical I think critical I think, right yeah, yeah I think but I think that's what mm-hmm. a comedian's job is mm-hmm. that's why some people this is why I tell my dad all the time I'm like they say that comedians are the smartest people um and I I believe it to a certain extent there's some dumb motherfuckers out there um but no so you have to be able to observe 
and internalize and just put your perspective to it. Like if you can write a good essay, so your standup is, it's like an essay, like you have a thesis statement, you have the points that you're trying to make, you have your conclusion, right? But you're channeling your thoughts with a specific point of view in both, right? And that's what you wanna do. Um, that's what your job is to do as a comedian is to take an external stimuli whether that's observations or personal stories or things and then put it in a way that like you're digesting it for the rest of people to understand because a lot right. of people will remember your viewpoints mm -hmm. a lot of people will walk away whether it's something very silly or something very serious you're able to dumb down and that's my favorite part when you're able to distill like the life lessons from a very serious topic mm -hmm. when you make it funny suddenly people want to listen you could literally present an essay and a piece of stand-up comedy with the same points and the same like point of view and the same like remarks but people i bet you are so much more likely to take action and to remember what you did with your stand-up not because like they remember you being funny and stuff sure but you've put it in a way that like is disarming enough right. that they're willing to ingest it mm -hmm. and perhaps act upon it or at least change how they think. So I think amazing. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily um, uh, offensive, I, that, but sometimes it can right. be. It's yeah, exactly. When you're forced to look at a different perspective, it's kind of, it is shaking you out of your own bubble. That's what I love about comedy yeah. specifically, just because like, um, like on the news, you're watching people on the news are very rigid. They're very serious. When you listen to someone you don't agree with, you're not going to listen to them. When you listen yeah. to a comedian you don't agree with, you might not agree with them, but if they do something that's funny, you'd be like, ah, oh, that's haha, that's funny. I might have gotten the perspective. You can take exactly. it in. You can actually take mm -hmm. it in in a way that's different. And humanize it too. And humanize yeah, because, it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we Huge. live in such a polarized world where it's like right. black, white, conservative, liberal, like halal, haram. Everyone kind of is, you're encouraged to take a, like a stance. And so often we forget about the gray area or for me, the brown area uh, in between. And that's where... <laughs> In between, that's where we lie. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. I think that's that's kind of my my intention with my stand-up comedy because as one of the few Muslim Arab female comedians, there, there's some out there, but um, as one of them, I like my like my thesis statement. I believe is like life in the gray area, right? Because I I've I've lived in the Middle East, I've lived in the United States. Like I'm I'm half Sunni, half Shia, full shit show. I like I'm <laughs> all these different things, and I think. <laughs> yeah my so my point like being with it all is like it's okay to be in the gray area you know mm -hmm. you don't have to be one thing or the other and um and even though this might be racy to certain people they may be like she's a whore or like certain people might have <laughs> yeah. different that's fine. Mm -hmm. that's fine i've taken um yeah i've taken a stanford and like that's that's kind of what i want to do and at least mm -hmm. at least i can humanize the argument at least i can like be out there and be like okay well i used to think that all blah, blah, blahs were horrible people, but like that girl, she's kind of likable and I agree with her, blah, blah, blah. And now they can have like, you know, a face to the whole, uh, the conflict. Right. No, that's amazing. I, um, I, I love, I mean, what you do and I love what other comedians do just being, you know, human and showing that everyone's indeed human. There is a gray area. <laughs> There's no really good or evil. Mm -hmm, everyone's yeah. just, everyone's just messed up in their own ways. And um everyone has to deal with exactly. it in their own ways yeah sounds good well reem i just want to know how do you deal with all the haters <laughs> you say that you had a time where there, <laughs> yeah, there were people who i mean within your own like yes. family or personal circle even that commented on you not alone i imagine yeah. online <laughs> you know it's a whole different story yeah you know <laughs> right i here's a, i don't i i don't want to say this because i don't know if this comes up but i don't deal with that many haters i first okay. of all i did on my, my first youtube video went viral 
which was like my first stand-up set ever. I put it online and it went viral because it was called uh, I'm Muslim unless Trump gets elected. And then he got elected <laughs> and then it went viral. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it was for you. Um, and so that one, there were some haters and they were like, this, this bachor, astaghfirullah, tarnished name of Islam. I was like, okay, <laughs> did you say Islam and bachor in the same sentence, bro? Like, what? Um, I just laugh at it. I mean, you either A, don't mm-hmm. read the comments, which I stopped, but like sometimes I'll browse on certain things. And if there's a hater comment, like even my election material, there are people like, you're just brainwashed by the left. I'm like, okay, like, I don't care to engage. I, I don't care to argue. I don't care to engage. You don't have to agree with me. Once you come to that realization that like, not everyone has to agree with you and you don't have to agree with everybody else. It's grand. Um, the most, I wouldn't call this hater, but like, I, I feel like the hardest thing to deal with is, or was at least my family has gone past this which is great um but it still pops in here and there but it's just like this idea of like is this really a job you went to college like is this really the way to go like are you squandering your education and your blah, 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 how what's yes. going to happen if this doesn't work out so that's the biggest criticism i get mm-hmm. from my family but i will say with every success they get it they get it and they're like oh we were here from day one and i'm like where you 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 were but like you was you was same <laughs> shit like <Yes>. um <laughs> they forget every time it's good i'm proud of you and then they forget um mm-hmm. but listen it, it's two part it's it helps me it, it motivates me to prove something like yes i can don't worry i got this and then when it you know happens it's nice to hear that they they just are um they want they have my best interest in mind so i know it's it's so that's that's the hardest thing to deal with and i just keep plugging along you know i just keep working harder trying more things mm-hmm. like doing everything in my power and that's probably why i justify not watching tv because i'm like i should be working hard right creating to, to get through the next two creating yeah. amazing all right um how do you deal with i guess creative blocks right because as a comedian you're really relying on you being in the mood that to make yeah. jokes right you really want to want to make jokes yeah <laughs> in order sure, to make sure. jokes all the time if uh, you're ever tired or you're not in it how do you deal with it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Adderall, just kidding. Um, <laughs> don't take drugs. <laughs> yeah. Don't take drugs unless they're prescription. Drugs. Unless well, they're prescription. Even then, no. <laughs> no, I will listen. This is something. This is a huge part of my life. I recommend this to everybody. I. It's completely changed my life. It's the reason I'm a comedian today. Meditation. Meditation is the key that has unlocked everything creatively for me. Um, I meditate every single day. Um, I meditate when I have a like a headache and I'm like, oh, I don't feel like writing. I meditate right before I write, even if I feel good, I meditate. Like it's such an incredible process. And even like, even if you're trying to be like all like religious, like, oh, meditation's too woo-woo. And like mm, religiously, even in Islam, the prophet meditated. So um, it's just such an incredible tool. It really is. I take, I do it as a vitamin, like I said, daily. And then I do it as a painkiller. I got the headache. I have writer's block. What should I do? I meditate. Um, and just five, five minutes is enough. 10 minutes is great. If you can do 15 minutes, 20 minutes, that's like sweet spot. You, I, I do that before I write. And then um, I actually have a, as I said, I'm a writer too. And right. so I had this this pilot that I was writing for like two years. I kept like going through drafts and iterations and it was really close. I was trying to figure out this thing. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to meditate on it. And so I just sat there silently for like 20 minutes, just, just silently with some music and um, kind of had that in the back of my mind. And the answer literally popped up. I was like, that's how I solve it. Went wrote it i solved it so that's that's been my end all be all i wow. even meditate before shows you know just wow. to get you want to drop down into your body like forget about everything that's like all these like little small mm-hmm. you know pestering thoughts and it's just so helpful right right do you feel like different like 
like in a different like you're awake versus when you're post meditation yes. you feel like you're in a I don't know like a I feel amazing state or what <laughs> yeah, yeah so it's kind of um if we're just going to talk like face level what I feel before I meditate I can feel normal and sometimes I wake up a little later and I'm like no I have to get to my deadline I have to get to writing and and I convince myself I don't have time to do it but every single time I skip meditation the the quality of my thoughts are so different even on, even if it feels a little bit different you can tell the next time you meditate you're like oh I should have done this last time what it feels for me is it's like there's static energy right um and when I meditate it kind of just like settles to where I can be so much more focused on what I'm doing and, and even just like in my head I just feel it kind of like it's almost like mm. cool water is running down my wow the hairline I don't know but right it's lovely Amazing. it's really mm-hmm. especially if you build up a practice it's the best there you go uh, that's why we bring experts on the show like you Reem so we can hear from you what are the secrets to <laughs> what's the secrets to being funny meditate yeah. there you go <laughs> they don't teach you that in comedy school <laughs> and being a fat kid that's it there, <laughs> there you go, go. A backstory the so anyway well Reem thank you so much yeah. um this hour has passed by so quick and I just want to let you know Reem uh what is next or what can you let me know what's next for Reem in the future um what's next for reem well mm-hmm. i just finished a tour so i'll probably be scheduling another tour this year hopefully um and then tv stuff working on like writing and doing some television stuff so i'll announce that as soon as i can but um that's that's what we're doing and some acting you know just all three just <laughs> acting too uh well i mean hopefully one day come back to la because there's a lot of acting stuff here going on and comedy stuff and whatnot exactly yeah. yes yes all right sounds good and best of luck reem would love it yeah looking forward to thank you so much thanks for having me uh this was really really good i learned a lot i laughed a lot and um i guess that's what the show is about make sure to subscribe if you haven't yet please uh 75 of people listening to this aren't subscribed so hit that button boom yeah and you're subscribed there you go reem stop fucking around and subscribe sorry no i love that that's great reem (laughs) uh is there anything else you want to shout out or say before you wrap up here where can people find you yeah, follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Is that it? Yeah. And I guess YouTube. Follow me on, it's all at Reem Edan, R-E-E-M-E-D-A. And I'll make you laugh, I promise. Amazing. Uh, this has been another episode of A to the Show. All right, folks. Good to see you. Good to see you, Reem. Uh, and see you all later. And, and the other one, which is, yeah. <laughs> no, I can, I can definitely see that. I, think, I spotted them. Yeah. <laughs> because painting is way different than, you know, like what they actually look like so it's kind of weird to just how do i say recalibrate my brain into saying this is probably what he looked like and not (laughs) right yeah but i i don't think that's a mission i don't think it's um i i I really i'm not really looking for um telling people okay this is the way somebody looked or i just i just like to play around with it and i, I really like this medium uh because wow. it just 